Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have Christine Gershom share God's word with us today. She teaches us what it means for God to increase in our lives and for us to decrease. Our stories and struggles matter to God and nothing is wasted in his eyes. Will you ask God to speak to you as we listen to his word? Hi church, it's my joy to share God's word with you today. I don't know how uh, your past few weeks have been. Um each of us I know are facing different things but I personally I think um was having a bit of a burnout and um I was just emotionally uh wrung out. I just remember being just going through the motions doing the things I needed to do but there was something um felt like a void almost and um so it got me over the past 3 weeks or so I should say just waking up mechanically every morning and just saying this one line prayer which was all I could muster and all it said was lord help me have more of you today and less of me and i don't even know why i was praying that i really don't know why i was praying it um but in the past two weeks as um my, the, the fatigue got more as the um the sense of exhaustion got more i realized i had to look closer at what was going on and um, with my husband self both of us prayed a lot about it and i realized that life had just got to us and that we had gotten um exhausted we were disappointed over some things we were tired and somehow somehow um on some level we were feeling like we were at the end of our rope even though we weren't and it was a great place to actually come back and say you know what god we need more of you and sometimes we say these things mechanically um but do we really mean it and so i got into looking at what um it actually meant to say lord i want more of you and less of me and so i've titled today's sermon uh, more of him and less of me because of what i have learned in this journey over a month what i've learned is it's been pretty mind blowing for me it has caused me to pivot as a person as a human as a leader as a parent as a spouse i've had to turn around i had to look at myself i had to look at god afresh and i had to turn around i hope that you would also be minister today if you were saying i'm going through an emotionally dry patch if i feel like you know i just um i want to do something but i'm not able to do it i feel like i'm walking through you know a murky uh slush and i'm just you know dragging my feet or maybe you're finding it hard to just get up in the morning and do the things you need to do because you just feel so exhausted emotionally or maybe you're feeling you know i've had so much of disappointment over the past one year i things have not been happening i've been doing what i can but it just feels like the universe is around me maybe you're saying that today can i ask you to listen in can i ask that you will listen to what the holy spirit has for you because i believe the holy spirit wants to meet us right where we are at and so as i got into understanding why i was praying that you know it's amazing how the holy spirit intercedes on our behalf when we don't even know why we're saying some things he has a plan and turns out that every morning when i was waking up and saying lord more of you today less of me he was actually drawing me into his word again and so we're going to be looking today at the life of john the baptist specifically we're going to be looking at the book of john chapters 1 and 3 and we're going to be looking at what this looked like in john's life because he was the one who made this very poignant statement let's look today together at john chapter 3 verses 22 to 23 and verses 25 to 30 let's read that 
After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have sent before. I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. So John was the one who made this beautiful statement, which sounds so good on paper, but is so hard to actually internalize or to apply to our lives. How do we decrease? And how do we increase? We're living in a time when people are teaching us about self-love, which means I tend to inflate my needs, my dreams, my desires to look after myself, to care for myself. And while all of that is so important, we have become all about ourselves. We want our voice heard. We want our opinion heard. We want our dreams accomplished. We want our name on, on a, you know, organization that we helped start. We want the name. We want the fame. Maybe we want the glory for something we have done. All of us, this is a human problem. All of us have this. But John the Baptist is a great example of even when confronted with job insecurity. People were saying, hey, guess what? Your cousin from across the river is baptizing more than you. And he's John the Baptist. His job was to baptize. And they're saying, he's taking your job up. What are you going to do? What's your response? And all he says is that I'm playing second fiddle to him. He's the main deal. Look at him. Worship him. I'm nothing. I'm second. And I wonder if all of us would look at our lives like that. It's such a countercultural idea because we live in a time when we have to push our way to the front, be it in industries, be it in school, be it in college, you need to push your way to the front. So how do I say, Lord, I want you to increase and I want to decrease? It seems like we won't get anywhere in life, but I want us to look at John the Baptist's life and just see how we can actually appropriate that into our lives. How can we actually say, Lord, you increase and I will decrease? How are we going to do that? You may say, well, that was John the Baptist. He could do it. Well, John the Baptist was as human as human gets. In fact, you know, if you had to draw a comparison between Jesus and John, they were similar in a lot of ways. Both of them were from the, from the same family. They were Their mothers were related. Both of them preached about the kingdom of God. Both of them had um, births which were quite surprising. But there was a lot of differences as well. John lived in the desert. He lived a nomadic, uh, very, you know, uh, separated life. Whereas Jesus lived in the midst of community, be it in the fa his father's carpentry shop or whether he was walking with the multitudes. He was in the middle of community. John preached the good news, but Jesus was the good news. John baptized with water and Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, it says. 
John was 100% human. He was born from human parents. But Jesus was 100% God, 100% human. So there is so much that we can see from John's life where we can relate. He was like us. And so I want us to look at John the Baptist's life today with an open mind of what God wants to speak to each of us. Because each of us have struggles in the very area that he had struggles. Some of us may actually have issues with the areas that he had figured out in his life. So I want us to just look at how three ways in which we can actually enable ourselves to decrease and allow God to increase in our life. The first thing, the first way in which we can decrease and allow God to increase is allowing God to shape our identity. It's very interesting whether you live in India or you live anywhere else, the things around us shape our identities. In India specifically, the minute someone meets you, they'll ask you which state you're from or what language you speak or what your last name is or where your father and mother come from. Sometimes they'll even ask you, where did you study? Or where you, did, where you graduated from? And all of these things have contributed to our identity, whether we liked it or not. But here's the deal, Okay. Our identity matters. You might, you might say, you know what, I figured my identity out. Forget it, I'm skipping this point. But have we really got our identity right? Where does our identity lie? Who does it depend on? Who dictates my identity? We look at John in John chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. Let's read this. It says, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites, from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. He was no imposter. John was not pretending to be something he was not. So often, you know, in, in our culture, we get people saying, oh, you know, they just heard us sing once. And they say, you should get into, you know, singing. You seem to be really good at singing. You should get into singing. And then somehow we get confused from what our primary calling is and we move into something which is not us. Or maybe someone has confused you by you know, saying, oh, you look like so-and-so. You should get into you know, media. You should do this. You should do that. Are we imposters? Are we being something we're not? Are we staying true to who God created us to be? That's the question. John was very clear as to who he was not. He says, I'm not the Christ. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. I'm John. Would you say that? Are you proud to be in your own skin? The second thing we have to remember about identity is that it's not who people say we are. It's who God says we are. And this is what John chapter 1 verses 12 to 13 says. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Each one of us who call on the name of Jesus, who consider him to be the Lord and Savior of our lives, we are called children of God. We are daughters of the Most High God. We are sons of the Most High God. There's no two ways about it. So whatever someone has told you about yourself, about your parentage, your heritage, cancel that. You are a child of God. Period. That's all that needs to be, you know, resonating within you. So often we get our identity and purpose messed up. We think our identity lies in what we do. We think that, you know, and so the problem with that is the, it's okay to think that as long as that doesn't get shaky. How does that get shaky? Someone comes and says, you know, you're no good at what you do. You're not improving. I'm disappointed in you. And there goes the identity crisis. It begins. We start to, you know, look at our roots. Oh my goodness, I need to rediscover myself. I need to figure this out. Our identity does not lie in who people say we are. 
It doesn't lie in what we do. It lies in who God says we are. John was very clear. John said, I'm not the Christ. He knew that he was the forerunner. He knew that he was the one who prepared people for Jesus. He knew that God had called him expressly for this purpose. There was no doubts in his mind. This is who I am. He knew that. Our identity is found only in relationship with God. Apart from that, our identity is going to be warped. Our identity is going to be exactly what others say we are. They, if someone says this about you, you're going to believe it for the rest of your life. But when we find Jesus, when we come into relationship with him, he must be the one who defines our identity. I don't know about you, but when I think about it, you know, the person who created me and the person who imprinted, imprinted his image on me is the one who I would want to dictate my identity. I won't want anyone else messing with that. So why do we allow everything around us to dictate who we are? The maker of the heaven and earth, the maker of man and woman, the maker of each one of us, he gets to decide who we are. And so I encourage you today, if your identity has been confused, if you're saying, you know what, I, I thought I'm this, but, but now I'm discovering I'm something else, come back to the word of God. He wants to tell you today who you are. He wants to just affirm to you that you are a child of God. If John's identity, I think about this a lot, if John's identity was messed up, the minute someone came and questioned him and said, who are you? He's baptizing. Jesus is baptizing across the Jordan, but who are you? It would have put me a couple of steps back. I would have been offended for the rest of the day. I would have been like, what's wrong with these guys? Can't they see me? I'm dressed like an ascetic. I'm doing what God's called me to do, but they're not accepting me. They look down on me. They're questioning me. Because his identity was secure, nothing anyone asked him. The corners people put him in, it didn't upset him. It didn't faze him. And wouldn't it be great if all of us could live in a freedom that comes from knowing our identity lies in Jesus and Jesus alone. So no more are you going to get caught up in the labels that people have put on you. Maybe someone has said, you know, you're going to be forever single. Someone's going to call you a single parent, divorcee, a loser, a failure, someone who will not be able to pick their life up again. I challenge you when you come to Jesus, he reestablishes your identity. He says, you're mine. Forget what, who didn't want you in their group. Forget who didn't include you. Forget who pushed you out of their groups. You are mine. You belong to me. I love you. And then when our identity gets hidden in Christ, things start to get clearer. Things get more purpose. And that brings me to my second point. First thing is we allow God to shape our identity. And the second thing is we act on God's purposes for our lives. It's so interesting that however young we are, we all feel we have a purpose in this world. Our youngest has this innate desire to make us all laugh. He feels that's his purpose, you know. And so each of us have something that we believe is our purpose on earth. And the beauty of it is this, the minute we accept Jesus and, and we start growing in him. And when, he's, when we give him permission to shape our identity, the next stage of that is him giving us purpose. Our identity and purpose literally come one after the other. Sometimes they're very intertwined. We can't confuse the two. They're not the same. They're totally different. But when I discover my God-given identity, I find out my God-given purpose. What is our purpose? What is our life's true purpose? And I want to just challenge you with this. If you don't have Jesus in your life, finding your true purpose will take that much longer. 
you may say i know a lot of people who don't know the lord but they live very highly purposed lives it could be true but let me tell you this from experience i've seen a lot of people who have followed the god given purposes over their life and have seen how the whole of heaven backs them up i've seen how the power of god accompanies them helping them do things that ordinary humans cannot do and so i would encourage you will you find your life's true purpose in jesus and will you act on it because that's what happens when we want to make increase god in our lives and decrease ourselves we act on the purposes he has for our life all of us you know from the time we were little we grew up saying i want to be this and this and i grew up saying i wanted to be a fashion designer and that didn't happen but over time my purposes started sh- shifting and for the longest time it was about what i wanted but then as i got into my 30s i realized that those were such short lived selfish dreams god what is it you want for me what is it you created me for when you knit me together in my mother's womb you had a plan for me what is that plan and so it's that question that triggers god's response to show us what his purpose for our life is and once you know the purpose you can't sit on it you need to act on it let's look at what john says in john 125 to 27 they asked him then why are you baptizing if you are neither the christ nor elijah nor the prophet john answered them i baptize with water but among you stands one who you don't know even he who comes after me the strap of whose sandal i am not worthy to untie john had a very clear purpose like i said he knew who he was he was the forerunner and if you look at the gospel narrative you know there is a part of it where the prophets have spoken in and prophesied about what was going to happen through jesus and isaiah 40 verse 3 to 5 says this a voice cries in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low the uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see together for the mouth of the lord has spoken when you look at isaiah 40 what you see is a picture of who john was going to be it was a prophetic passage written by isaiah hundreds of years before where he's saying this is what's going to happen and john was the fulfillment of that prophecy and here are a bunch of ignorant people who are coming and asking him these redundant questions why are you baptizing they didn't understand the purpose but john knew the purpose and even better john knew the purpose in comparison to what was going to happen he didn't know the full story but he knew he was doing this fraction of the work when jesus would do the rest he was very clear about the purpose so when people come and ask you why are you doing such and such it's very easy to get demoralized it's very easy to get derailed and say am i really doing the right thing god did you call me to this or did i make a mistake john was sure of his purpose because he knew who sent him he knew where his identity lay and therefore his purpose was all the more clear it's it's interesting the passage that we first read john 3:25 to 30 he calls himself the friend of the bridegroom now if you've been to any wedding i don't know about you but i've really not noticed the groomsmen or the bridesmaids bridesmaids maybe you know like looking at their dresses but groomsmen not so much unless you're a single girl or you know your parents of a single girl you probably checked out the groomsmen but other than that who looks at the groomsmen in a wedding the main guy is the bridegroom right and this is again a prophetic utterance that john is uh, giving out here he's saying 
he's the bridegroom who's the bride the church but he's saying the bridegroom is the main act i'm playing second fiddle to him that's what he's saying and i want us to look at our own lives and see god do i say you're the bridegroom i'm your friend i just stand behind i'm content to let you look good it's a hard thing to say because it involves me playing second fiddle it involves me standing behind jesus and letting jesus's name be known it involves jesus's fame spreading abroad not mine will i be willing to do it that's what john did he said i'm just the friend of the groom today do you know what your purpose is i'd like to make it a little easier for you i believe that every believer in jesus has a common purpose since we are now children of god adopted into his family and given the title of sons and daughters our purpose primary purpose once we are saved is to bring many other into this family our job is the ministry of reconciliation that's what paul writes which means you and i we know the lord now we're going to invite others into the kingdom of god we're going to tell them you know what this is what jesus did for me can you why don't you invite him into your life that's what it looks like so that's a primary purpose but let's not get confused because a lot of times we think our vocation is our purpose our vocation our job is important it's what we're trained for it's what you know we we take steps to achieve and so the important thing is this that our purpose is different from our vocation but god will use our vocation to live out our purpose so you can breathe a sigh of relief if you're that computer engineer you're that fashion designer you're that um uh, you know a technician a lab technician or maybe you're an a lab attendant or maybe you're you're someone who manages a small company or maybe you're someone who cleans a company whatever your role is how will you live out your purpose right where you're at that's the question your vocation will help you live out your purpose right where you're at you can actually see that god has placed you there for a reason and you can ask god lord what am i supposed to do here are you running a business how can you live out your faith there are you a designer are you a graphic artist what are you a writer can you use your words to bring hope to others our purpose is all important because that is what helps us to be a blessing in the world that god's placed us in if we live without purpose it's like telling god yeah i'm saved but i'm saved for you it's you and me all the live long day but that's not what he wants he's saying hey i saved you but i'm going to drop you back into the world that you're in you need to be a blessing right there and that's what our purpose helps us to do and so i want to ask you are you saying that you know what i don't feel like i'm serving the lord enough i'm not doing enough for him like that person or that person are you a teacher are you a student are you a homemaker a mother a spouse whatever you are you can serve god right where you are because your purpose is to bring others to jesus to introduce him to the person who changed your life and you can do that with god's help right where you are will you allow god to reveal his purpose and will you act on god's purpose for your life john didn't just stay hidden in the desert you know he knew he would been sent for something and he lived in the desert till god's appointed word went to him and said go out there start baptizing start preaching the good news of the coming kingdom and he did what he was called to do what are you and i doing are we sitting on our purpose and saying you know what now is not the time god i need to establish myself more i need that own house i need a car i need to get married maybe now is the time 
Are you going to act on your purpose? Because only then will there be living evidence that there's more of God and less of you. The third thing is to accept God's ways even when we don't understand. And this is the hardest one for me to preach because all of us want to be very logical about things. We want A plus B to be equal to C. Obviously, I'm not good at math, so that was, that's not even an equation. But we want things to make sense. But in the kingdom of God, you know, somebody said this to me, interestingly, I think it was in one of our midweek um, groups, when someone said, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. We have a king. We do as he says. He's sovereign. He's supreme. He's our leader. We follow him, whatever the cost. And that got me thinking that it requires that I accept his ways, even when I don't understand it. Even when horrendous things are happening around us, even when disturbing things happen, when I don't have explanations, or maybe in your life you have been faced with hiccup after hiccup, roadblock after roadblock, ill health, a breakdown of certain relationships. I don't know what you're going through. I know for a fact a series of disappointments left me disillusioned. I thought, you know what, God, we're doing everything right, I thought. I'm praying, I'm reading the Bible, I'm seeking your face, I'm claiming your word. But why these disappointments? Why these closed doors again and again and again? And I'm so glad to say this, that John had a very similar moment. Let's look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Imagine this, okay? John is, he has been sent by God to announce the arrival of his son. He's been preaching about the kingdom of God. He's talking about repentance and, and, and the kingdom which is going to come in power. He's so anointed by the Holy Spirit. And yet, when his life got intolerably hard, he had doubts. Imagine this, he's doing the work that he's been called for. He's fulfilling his purpose, baptizing people, leading them to Jesus. He has a run-in with the local ruler and he's put behind bars. And I was just thinking how hard it must have been for him to be seated in prison. His ministry has been taken away from him. He's probably lost all his disciples. There he's sitting, languishing, and he's wondering, God, what happened? I was barely released into ministry and you've taken it away from me. The few people I was influencing, I'm not influencing anymore. What's happening? Aren't you the Christ? Weren't you the promised one, the savior? I don't feel very saved right now. Maybe he was feeling that, you know, if he was really a, a, a true God, he would have broken me out of jail. He would have had, I would have had a miraculous escape. Worse still, nothing was happening on the government front. The Romans were still oppressing them. He was in jail because of one such ruler. John was disappointed. He was, he was tired. He was dry. He said, you know what? I don't know what's happening. And so the good thing about his frustration was that he directed his question at the one who it mattered. He didn't just shoot his questions into thin air. He didn't just, you know, uh, spread gossip through his disciples to the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He sent messengers to Jesus directly. And today, before I go any further, when you have doubts, when I have doubts, the only person who needs to know of that is Jesus. We have every right to come to Jesus. This past 
10 days, I've been practicing a new discipline of lamenting. And the psalmists have done it. Jeremiah the prophet has done it. It's basically pouring your heart out to God. And that's, that's what you do when you come to this place of going, God, I can't do this anymore. I feel like I'm crumbling on the inside. I feel like I'm not being met with what I'm expecting. There's this disconnect. Lord, help me. Lamenting is me coming to God and saying, I can't do it anymore, but you can help me. And our lament is always directed at Jesus, not anyone else. Because let's face it, the minute we bring it up to someone else, there could be judgment. There could be a word spoken that is not of God. But when I come to Jesus, he doesn't judge me. He doesn't say, you know what, you don't know what you're talking about. He embraces me. He says, it's okay, let it all out. You look at the psalmist again and again, he says, I cried out. I lay face down. I prostrate. My spirit is weak. That's an attitude of lament. And I want to encourage you, when the doubts come in, when the disappointment hits you, when the dryness of your landscape baffles you, turn to Jesus like John did. He didn't go anywhere else. He sent the disciples straight to Jesus. Let's look at what Jesus says. It's so typically Jesus. The response that he gives is so typically Jesus. Matthew 11, 4 to 6. And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Wow. I love the fact that, you know, Jesus hits the nail on the head without trying hard at all. That's why he's God. Because so often I have found in my life that I have been offended with him. When someone else was blessed more than me, I was offended. Maybe you have that same problem. When someone else's work promotion came in before you, maybe you got offended. Maybe when that baby happened for someone else and not for you, you got offended. Maybe healing came for someone else and you didn't get it, you got offended. And Jesus is saying here, guess what? Look around. Look at what I'm doing in other people's lives, John. Then you decide whether I'm the Christ or not. And I believe that's a word to each of us today. Are you drowning in offense today are you saying i'm so offended god that you've not given me what i've been asking you for maybe five years 10 years 12 years i don't know but i want to ask you today will you first look around look at what god is doing in other people's lives this happens only in community we cannot do the christian walk without community are you part of a church have you plugged in connect with your people meet up with them catch a coffee with them Get on a Zoom call with them. Put your camera on. See people to their face. Talk to them. Look at their eyes. Watch them as they cry through their issues. You know, it never ceases to amaze me what community does because sometimes I've gone into meetings um, distraught or distressed about something. But when I sat in that meeting, someone else shared what they were going through. And I realized, God, everyone's going through something. Um, it's not just me. Or maybe there have been times when I went in and I shared something that God had taught me that week and it blessed one person on a group call of maybe 40 people. That's when I realized the power of community. And Jesus is telling John that, look at what I'm doing in the community of people around me. People are being healed. The deaf are able to hear. The blind are seeing. The dead are being raised. Go figure. Today I want to ask you, are you looking around? It's so easy to get caught up by looking within and as I read this and meditated over this for the past two weeks, this is what the Lord has been speaking to me. And I want to share that with you. Stop looking at yourself. 
Stop looking at what is not happening for you. Look at what I'm doing in someone else's life. Look at what I'm doing in that person's life and rejoice and believe that I will do it for you when I need to. Let us not get offended with God. Look around, look up. Like I said, a lament is when I look up to God, not for answers because I won't get clarity. Not always. I won't get clarity about my situation, but I'll get clarity of who God is. I might not get closure on an issue I'm struggling with, but I will get closer to God. That's what a lament does. That's what it says. It's coming to him as I am, broken in pieces. If it means you have to lie down before him, if you need to cry, it's okay. He can handle your ugly tears. He can handle the drama. But he wants you to come before him. He wants you to come to him. And the beauty is we're not questioning God. We're bringing our questions to him. We're saying, God, this is me. I don't understand. Help me understand. And the beauty of the lament when we pray in, with lament is just that he says, you don't need to understand the situation. Come here. Experience me. And I can tell you this firsthand. Being in the presence of God, weeping before him, has given me renewed strength for the seasons ahead. We cannot hope to do this life on earth if we don't let him increase in our life and us decrease. Because if, if we're going to keep living these self-focused lives, lives that are all about ourselves, our struggles, our families, our children, our jobs, we will miss out what our purpose on earth was. We'll miss out on where our identity lies. We'll miss out on actually joyfully accepting whatever comes our way. I was reading a book this week where it talks about a faith called the even if faith. And it's in line with this point where it says, we so often are worried about what if this happens? What if that happens? Oh, then, you know, will my faith be, you know, shaky? But the author writes, we need to have an even if faith. Even if, even if the diagnosis is grim, even if my dreams are shattered, even if my plans get derailed, even if my marriage does not work out, even if I don't get married, even if I don't have children, yet I will keep believing in this God. I will keep loving this God because I know he has plans to prosper me, plans to give me a hope and a future. That's the kind of faith we need. That's where he increases and we decrease. So I want to encourage each of us, Wherever you're standing in your station of life right now, wherever you're at, whatever you've gone through, look around you. See what God is doing around you. Don't be focused on yourself. Focus on Him. Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you just vexed with things that have not happened for you? It's okay. He can handle that. Come to Him. Come to Him. As I lead you in this prayer, I just want you to open yourself up to Him and say, Lord, I pray that you will Shape my identity the way you purpose to shape it. Not the way I want it, Lord, not anymore. Shape my identity. Help me act on the purpose you have for me, not my purpose. I think I should start a business. I think I should do such and such. But Lord, what is it you want? Why have you created me? Why have you placed me on planet Earth at this point of time? Whatever you say, I will do it. Will you act on the purpose for your life? And finally, will you accept his ways, even when you don't understand it, even when that loved one is lost, even when you lose someone who's precious to you, even if 
that job that you're looking for doesn't happen, will you still joyfully accept it? That's when we know that he has truly increased and we have decreased. And it's a beautiful place to be in because it's in that place that you become unoffendable. No one can say anything that derails you. No one can say anything to make you second guess yourself because guess what? You're hidden in Christ. Can I pray this for each of you? Those of you who know the Lord, will you look right up to heaven right now and say, Lord Jesus, we need you. I need you. Shape my identity, Lord. Shape it with your beautiful creator's hands. Shape it. I am the clay. You are the potter. Shape my identity as you will. Help me, Lord, to not sit on my purpose, but to act on it, to step out in faith. If you ask me to do something, today is the day I say yes to you. Yes to your assignments. Yes to whatever you have told me you want me to do. I will obey you. It looks big, but I know you will provide. I know you will lead me. I know you will guide me. Help me, Lord, to accept the dry seasons. Help me to accept the disappointments. Help me to accept that detour, Lord. May I not be offended with you. Help me. Can we just ask God that he would forgive us of the times we have stood offended with him? You know where our offense lies, Lord. And we ask that you would forgive us. And today we ask, even if we don't understand your ways, help us to joyfully accept whatever you have in store for us. Trusting you, Lord, that you have the best. Trusting you that no matter what, you still love us. That you will never let us go. We love you and we thank you. More of you, Lord, in our lives, less of us. More of you, Lord, in our work and less of us. More of you in our families and less of us. More of you in my own heart and mind, less of me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to just encourage each of you today. All of you who have watched, each one of you are seen by your creator. Each one of you, whatever the struggle is, Come before him in honesty. Ask him to help you. Make him greater and that you will be lesser. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.